The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. It's Don't Bet On It. I'm RJ Bell. Final four week. And we've got Steve Cofield joining me, who is a hot take, hot shot. I'm RJ Bell. What do we do with Don't Bet On It? We look at the hottest takes of the week and we say, what does Vegas think? The Vegas verdict. And we like to put the cold, hard cash splashing out those hot takes. Great week coming up, guys. We've got Stephen A., Going off. Would you say, Cofield, going off? That was pretty strong. We're going to start with this. Going off (laughs) on the Bennett situation, we've got Dak Prescott being compared to Tony Romo and Troy Aikman, three Super Bowls, you guys may recall. We've got Josh Rosen's coach talking about Darnold being the better pick for the Browns. We also have the commissioner of the NFL talking about Eric Reed and the political fallout of the national anthem protests. And I'm actually going to agree. This is my agreement. Take of the week is agreeing with Goodell. We're going to talk jets. We're going to talk giants. The giants are the hottest take of the week. And we've got a little bit of sister Jean, as you could imagine. And Cofield getting off my lawn. This is what this week, I'm going to just tease it vaguely. This is what get off my lawn was invented for because it is so pointless but (laughs) (laughs) that's the point is Cofield's blood pressure rising to such a degree (laughs) for something point you're like why why are you getting so angry I don't know I'm sick (laughs) (laughs) it's true showtime okay we got Stephen A but why don't you set up Mr. Cofield the Bennett situation as you see it most people, I'm sure, are pretty caught up on it. Give us the elevator pitch. So Michael Bennett is at the Super Bowl two Super Bowls ago, right? So, so like it's 14 la- months but ago. But it's last year, so I don't want to say two years ago. He allegedly pushed and injured a 66-year-old paraplegic. Wheelchair, lady working security. He was arrested by the Houston police 14 months after the incident. And because it is Let me so, someone you. over 65, it's goes down as elderly abuse. It's a felony. It's a $10,000 fine. And he could, he's facing up to 10 years in prison. Now, is there any real concern? And again, this might be a, a, a naive question and be, of course, but is there any real concern that he's going to do jail time? I don't think so. So I don't know that that's the, really the story here. I think the story is why was this? Why is he being indicted? Which I, you know, we maybe we can get into it here, or we'll get into it down the road. But anyway, some other facts in this: uh, there were no witnesses that came forward, except for a member of law enforcement who was there. There is no video at the Super Bowl, so I'm not sure that every part of the stadium at NRG is under video surveillance. There's no video. Interesting in this, the police chief came out. They had a big dog and pony press conference. And in that, he called Michael Bennett pathetic and morally bankrupt, which seems odd to me that a chief would sort of throw judgment before a case has actually hit the courts. He did appear in court. He wasn't handcuffs, very much a danger, I suppose. 
Uh, and well, but I, another I, one. But here's the thing. Yeah. We can debate uh-huh. should he be in court, but unless I'm mistaken, if it, it, there's certain protocols you got to follow if they are going to be in court. I suppose. Uh, and, and again, I agree with, I mean, listen, unless something comes out that I'm not aware of, yeah, my first question is, why so long? All right, I get the idea if they're doing like other investigations around it and they don't want people, you know, like with conspiracies or wait. Um, you know, we've seen that on The Wire, if you enjoy that show. Um, hey, we don't want to arrest them because they'll know The Wire's up. But that couldn't be the case here. If you had to do some deep investigation. But so what's the rationale from the authorities on why it's taken 14 months? Don't know. Maybe the woman just came forward now and wanted to press charges. Don't know. Exactly. Uh, Rusty Harden is actually the attorney. You recognize the name? So Rusty Harden, he's the attorney for the defense attorney for Michael Bennett. Rusty Harden has been involved has been involved with a lot of high-profile clients, including Warren Moon, Wade Boggs, Rafer Ralston. Uh, he was with Clemens during the doping scandal that he was involved in. He's actually represented the Osteens, you know, Joel Osteen. Kind of famous, mm-hmm. had a suit. He's, he's the the pastor. Yeah, he's a televangelist, evangelist who actually now fills the Houston Rockets old arena. So uh, that was in a civil lawsuit filed by a flight attendant with Continental Airlines. He was actually on the side of the rich dude who married Anna Nicole Smith. When Anna Nicole Smith, rest in peace, uh, went after that 90-year-old dude's money. So Rusty Harden's been involved in a lot of high-profile cases. He's the rep for Michael Bennett. To cut to the chase here, Rusty Harden says... My client never touched this woman. It sounds like the story is Michael Bennett pushed through a crowd. Maybe he wasn't supposed to. Someone then pushed into this woman injuring her, which I find fascinating. I never knew that if you're part of a crowd and someone gets injured directly by someone else pushing them, that you could be responsible a couple of spots back. You know, one thing that jumps out at me is Jim Morrison from the doors. If you saw the Oliver Stone movie, which I think is one of the, Great rock biopics, if not best, I'm thinking, but maybe I'm not remembering one. But, you know, Morrison got into, you could say, some trumped up charges for indecency, and we can all debate that, but it starts to be where it takes over your life. You know, that's the thing. The prosecutors are getting paid to do this, right? This is you paying, you know, probably 800 bucks an hour. And multiple hours, you know, the clock's running on multiple attorneys at the same time. And you got to show up down there. And listen, the psychic burden of potentially really going to jail. Because it seems to me, when you say, Cofield, I don't think he's going to do jail time. Then that seems like it's you saying he's not going to be convicted. Because if he gets convicted, it feels like he'd have to do jail time. I don't think he'll do jail time. I guess he would get a fine and maybe some house arrest. But But I think the bigger story here is... Well, if it, who's, say, who's saying that, though? Because didn't you just say it could be up to 10 years? It could be up to 10 years, but that's, that's Usually a standard if it's up charge to ten, with elderly abuse. Yeah, so what's making you think he's not going to do even six months? I'm guessing. Yeah, but yeah, have right. you read I mean, that did, from I people? Did, I did speak to our legal analyst, and he didn't seem to believe that this was going to go all the way to court and turn into some sort of jail Oh, so, oh. So we have a local legal you're analyst. You're thinking there's we, a plate. We, we ran it, yeah. Or, or it just gets thrown out. Well, that's always possible, but I'm saying it. And again, I'm not able to handicap illegal cases and the likelihood of, and anytime a jury's involved, you never know, right? Because it is Houston, Mm -hmm. right? Which I think segues 
to a key point, which is the idea that the owner of the Texans got in a lot of trouble for taking a stand on the um, right side of the political spectrum. So left, you know, progressive, liberal, right, conservative, Republican. So it feels like this is a good PR move for the DA, right? Which is, I'm guessing, an elected office in Houston. I think it is everywhere, if I'm not mistaken. So the theory is this. If you get a plea, even if it's a misdemeanor, even if it's just, you know, come down and speak about this topic, like that's it. That DA is a hero. Yes. Right? Now, if you're Michael Bennett. He, he's a hero to, in, his, to his, his voters. Yep. Helps him in the future. Now, if you're Michael Bennett and Stephen A. gets to this, don't you have to play this to its completion because there's one thing you can't get back. We are a nation of headline readers. People will forever remember Michael Bennett, elderly abuse, injured a 66-year-old paraplegic. How do you scrub that? Well, I don't think you do even if he wins in court. But here's the thing. If in Molly's game, which didn't get a ton of people in the theaters, but the it was about a big poker game, the, the Hollywood poker game in L.A. Did you see it? Brilliant. You, you loved it? And um, it's the guy from the West Wing wrote, directed his first movie. What's his name? I always forget his name. Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, yeah. And I started thinking of actors. I was like, Bradley <laughs> Whitford? <laughs> so, but she, at the, and I, I guess I don't want to spoil alert, but there was an, let's just say this, there was a legal issue and she took a stand that was not practical, but it was more about uh, her, you know, her belief system. She could have flipped and destroyed. Well, remember, we don't want to do, okay. we don't want to do a spoiler here. Right? People get insane she, with the she, spoilers. She stood her ground. Yeah. Protected lots. She, let's just say she risked jail time <laughs> yes. over principle. Doesn't Bennett, I mean, part of Bennett's probably feeling like maybe this is what I was put on earth for is to fight this thing. But then if he loses, don't they have to give him jail time? So in a weird way, the the DA probably filed this case to get a bunch of publicity, a quick win for his constituents. But because Bennett is um, seemingly a man of principle, especially about things like this that he really cares about, he fights it. DA hates it, but now he's got to play as hard as possible. He wins. I'm not saying he will, but he could, the DA. And now what? He, he does three years? Wow. So <laughs> that gets interesting. All right, let's get to Stephen A, and then we'll re, uh, respond to his response. Fourteen months ago. Fourteen months. And you're going to bring into the equation a 66-year-old paraplegic. What are we supposed to believe about this, man? It sounds despicable. It sounds disgusting. Do you know what somebody that would do that to a paraplegic deserves? So automatically, in a court of public opinion, that police chief just convicted this man. Because even if we find out the case gets settled, it gets thrown out of court, or we don't have any evidence, you know when you Google this man, you sat up there and you injured a 66-year-old woman who was a paraplegic. You better have some facts if you're the police chief. It better not be hearsay, because let me tell you something. If anything about this is wrong, what has been done to Michael Bennett is beyond cruel. Now, 
the thing I disagree the most that he said, Stephen A., uh, first take, was if you're the DA, you better have proof. Where's the con- When you say you better, it sounds like there's a consequence, right? So if he's talking about some, some universal morality from above, you know, and being judged at the pearly gates, then okay, I hear you, all right? But if it's about like there's some political or real world consequence, what is the real world consequence of a DA pursuing a case that has some discretion, meaning he's chosen to pursue it, the same things we're kind of being critical of him for, his constituents, his voters are going to say, we love that he's fighting for our values, Texas values, baby. So it strikes me this is a free roll. If somehow, some way he loses this case, well, if it settles, the DA wins, right, with his voters, 100% there. Do you doubt that? Well, first of all, it's a she. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know this offhand, but we may as, correct that. <laughs> may as well correct that. Kim Og, uh, ask the question again. All right. So if let's think about because at the end, Stephen A's comment was really driven by there's going to be a real consequence for this D.A. if she loses, mm-hmm. if she doesn't have a ton of proof. And my point is there's three possibilities. There's a settlement. And I think she wins there, home run. There's a trial and they win the case. I think she wins their home run. Or. Bennett wins at trial, and I think she racks up like a third of a win because she fought the good fight. Where's the where is the political consequence, real world for the lady DA? Real world is Rusty Harden with Bennett linking up with some other African American leaders and turning this racial. But then that, that she benefits then, from that too, and then hoping that there's seventy five percent African American voter turnout and she gets voted out. That that her motivation was racial. That's the risk. That's about the only thing. She can get voted out, but like in all these cases, people but, but have to, I'm, people I'm, have to I'm come assuming out anyone that I'm assuming anyone that got elected to such a position as DA in in uh, a county, I guess would it be a city DA? I'm not sure, but it's a county. It's Harris County. I, I, so with Houston in it, so obviously millions of people probably has a pretty good pulse on her on her voters, right? Now obviously there's some voters that go the other way. But she made a calculation here. So one, I would say in the realm of reality, this DA either has a 100% win, 100% win, or 33% win. All right. So where I agree with Stephen A, 100%, 110, and I'm not quite sure if he was saying now that the case has been filed, his name is solid anyway, or if he's saying if somehow... He loses the case, but I think just the act of the case being, you know, it's the old story, right? The claim is on the front page and the retraction is <laughs> the retraction is on the back page. And you see it now with retweets, a tweet will get like 7,000 retweets from a political guy. <laughs> and they say, well, Oops. actually we were wrong about that. And it has like 38 retweets. Right. Oops. Right. So Bennett on the surface is, uh, been indicted for a felony, right? Yep. Okay, so that never changes. To me, Stephen A's point there really speaks to a couple things about law enforcement. One, and you mentioned it, Cofield, is 
There's no video. It's a matter of someone was a witness, but that someone was law enforcement. And it's just courtroom 101, judicial system 101, that the assumption is law enforcement's telling the truth. I mean, it is. Although interesting, when we talk to our legal analysts on this, the witness actually cannot be introduced as law enforcement to the jury. Really? Why is that? Because it would be prejudicial. Because like you just said, highly believable, they're law enforcement. But but all the time, but you have, I mean, look at the OJ case. yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was told. It might be might be incorrect. Yeah. So, but I do think it's int- important to say because when we had Oscar Goodman on the Vegas Truth interview podcast, we do right here on this same channel. And guys, if you haven't listened to that Oscar Goodman, I, it's one, probably the, one of the three or four things I'm proudest of in the last couple of years. It's in the feed. Go check it out. It's back now. Maybe eight, ten episodes. Is we did almost two hours talked movie casino we talked vegas but one of the things he said mr cofield is he never had a single case zero not one zero in which the federal authorities didn't lie cheat and steal meaning i said you know if he would have said a vast majority which you know he practiced like 30 years so you would think maybe 60 cases didn't have it but you know 600 did or whatever no he said not one ever. So to me, when you have the cops typically getting the benefit of the doubt, I think the law should be, and this is just me from the couch, or I'm a fan with this stuff, or I am no expert. Whatever, if you testify knowingly and lie against someone for a crime, if you're caught in that perjury, you should get the same punishment as that crime. You should be betting not that they get convicted, but if you're proven to purpose, and again, if somehow you forgot, you make a mistake, that's life. But if you purposely perjure yourself to try to put someone in jail for X, I don't care if you're a cop or a normal person, you should go to jail for X. I'm guessing the amount of perjury would go way down, right? And there's no innocent victims in that case, meaning if you do it, you're doing it purposely. But we know cops lie all the time. And it strikes me that just the fear of it, all it takes is one cop saying one thing and this guy who in a weird way, and I can see how the minority, you know, the African-American community would look at this as, as, as uh, in such horror is the idea that no matter what you do, you're not out of the reach right, of the powers that be because I don't know Bennett's upbringing. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm guessing he didn't come from like a bunch of wealth, right? Middle class. He was middle class. Military father. Okay. So the obviously it's easier to rise up from that than it is from the, the streets of Baltimore, right? So But or, I think to your point, even though you've risen up, you can still be dragged back down. Exactly. Because it only takes, you know, and then once you're in prison, who knows what happens, right? Because as tough as you are, that's if, if anything, if if there's lifers in there, again, I have watched Oz, so I'm so you know everything. I about might prison. be an expert about this. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. If it's like if it's like Oz, my God. <laughs> and you're in no position to challenge my expertise. <laughs> it's true. Prison it's insider true. RJ Bell. So I see that right. Like no matter what, and, and imagine the mothers, right? So you know, mothers worried about. Obviously, if you're raising a kid, and especially in 
the you know an urban troubled area, you're just hoping that kid stays alive, right? And then oh wow, he's a great athlete, and oh wow, he goes to college, and oh wow, he's in the pros, and oh wow, he signs a big contract, and then it's just like one mistake. And again, who's to say if he really made a mistake or not? Now it's one witness that's controlling his life in a way. One one rogue DA, one crazy police chief. Do you think the Texans owner is thinking, hey, let's because in a weird way, because you mentioned, oh, maybe those against this kind of thing are going to rise up in Houston or and or she's going to be identified as rogue or whatever. But here's something I think the the Trump analogy or there's an example in Trump world when, um, you know, former George W. Bush uh, participant colleague X, Y, Z says Donald Trump is chaos, blah, 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 is they don't realize that how like for the guy who voted a gal who voted for Trump, they listen and say, great, that guy's against him. They'd be worried if that guy was for him. So if there's a bunch of marches um, against this DA, and you look out in the crowd and it's, you know, the the voters who voted for this lady saying, ha, huh, she must be fighting a good fight if those people are against her. I don't think there's any consequence there for her. And, and the act of the protest on the other side actually add to the, the perception she's doing right to her voters. Yeah, I don't think... There's anything on the level of Bennett's reputation being stained, which, as we said five minutes ago, can never be scrubbed. It's always on the Internet because people are never going to follow. Not people are never. Many people won't follow up on what happens in the case. You live through, obviously, we're similar ages, is you live through Nancy Kerrigan, right? And Tanya Harding. Mm-hmm. Before that, did you see I, Tanya? Yes. Before this movie came out, if I would have said, recount what happened to me, just the six or seven bullet points been 20 years but it was the story yeah right for what months right or at least a month would you have been able to recap it to any accurately all seven nope because when i watched the movie i was like "Ooh, i forgot that it was actually a setup cross country i was thinking galuli and the fatso actually but do you remember who won medals or like i didn't even remember who won medals yeah i forgot specifics of like her not making the field next time around and the the shoelace thing yeah so Think about it. Even though those are blaring headlines, people forget that. They just have vague recollections. So it strikes me there's going to be a lot of images, and this is a very visual media environment today, right? You think about the written, and a lot of journalists obviously lament this, but you think about the written word, I mean, even like a place like Axios, which is we've been talking about recently, you and I offline, Steve, is they're doing news in a different way. Their articles, 300 words, you know, and I find, especially on a phone, if you're reading, which I'm not sure why it is like, I'll read a 10 page magazine article. No problem. If I keep scrolling on a phone, it feels like, man, this thing's long. Doesn't <laughs> like, it? Three, three flips in. You're like, this is forever. It, I mean, doesn't it actually, feel yeah, that? And then you actually pull it up and it's like, it's the, you know, 10 yeah, paragraphs. Yeah. So it, it strikes me. We're in a visual world. We're in a headline world and we're going to see a lot of pictures of him, Bennett in handcuffs. And, and we're. We're to be blamed as well, the media, because once we make our mind up and we keep saying I'm not the same to thing, be blind. I'm in the media. <laughs> uh, we keep saying the same thing over and over again. That starts to seep in for people, and we'll you know we'll bring up a fine broadcaster on Fox Sports Radio, Clay Travis. Part of his 
spiel now is he's anti-Michael Bennett. So he was all over the story, and I noticed him tweet something out. Hey, here you go, NFL Man of the Year, you know, knocks over a paraplegic, and we already know the Las Vegas police proved his claims incorrect. When I was thinking back, I'm like, I don't think everything was proven that it was incorrect. What is but, your, but if he wh- says it over, but if you say it over and over and over again, hey, Metro called out his lies and, you know, proved them to be outright lies. Give me the 45 second recap on, from your perspective, yeah. you can editorialize a little bit yeah. on the Bennett incident in Vegas. So I'm going to open up a Mountain Dew as you're talking. No, they, they thought there was a shooting upstairs at uh, whatever the hell it's called now, the Cromwell. And they had a description of a large black male with a flannel on and Bennett matched the description. For some reason, he decided to take off running. He ran outside. He is taken down. And then at that point, we really he, he ran get, outside knowing the description. He jumped he fit the description no, or he, he just know. randomly ran. Outside. He just he says he got scared. He got scared when they were, you know, because they were they were. They were going through the casino, clearing it with guns, looking for a large black man. I don't think they said, we're looking for a large black man with a flannel on. But he he jumped a little partition, I think went onto the street on uh, Flamingo, just right in the middle of uh, I mean, this is almost exact. I mean, this is what? Maybe three quarters of a mile from where Tupac got shot, right? Yes. Because it's on Coval, but one street over. It's right there. Okay. That's that's actually a good point. I haven't heard people bring that up, <laughs> that, you know, that there was a shooting there. But uh, that was not at the hands of law enforcement, obviously. Um, and in this case, there was no shooting. But... Michael Bennett claims that uh, he was mistreated for no reason. Well, he he did fit the description, but that a gun got pulled on him while he was on the ground. And when people send out messages that that was all proven to be false, we never got a video cl- that was clear because there was an object in. It appeared there was an object in the officer's but, hand. We but never, if you had a bat, what do you think happened? Uh, I think the gun may have been pulled. I find it. I find it. Very Would you bet it even money that it was? Yes. Okay. Because I also find it really interesting that that officer happened to not have his body cam on. Mm, mm. My whole point is we, I, I never came out of that with any conclusion. I don't know why he ran. He shouldn't have that said, I'm not an African American, so I don't have those same fears, but I don't know that it was ever clear that there was a gun or there was no gun. Reminds me of the Sopranos episode. Did you watch all the Sopranos? Yes. Is when, <laughs> do I remember all of them like you? Probably not. <laughs> remember they were, they had the uh, no show jobs and the no work jobs and they're all hanging out eating and you know, whatever lunches is the key of the day. They're just sitting there and then they beat up one of the guys from the, you know, actually were working on the crew. When the cops come, come, they uh, say, Oh, it was three black guys that did it. And someone said, yeah, three black guys. And someone else goes, Oh yeah, those guys. Like it's always the three black guys, which I think the Sopranos did. And again, uh, what they were saying with the Sopranos was that it, it is the narrative that it's that it's, it's going to be very believable to say that is why it was always said. Right. So the last thing I'll say. And, and so, yeah, I think this hurts Bennett. I also am going to be interested to see on a, a, with his principles how much he's willing to risk. Right. And I'm not saying he should even. You know, it doesn't seem like he should be put in this situation. Again, I didn't see what happened. If he actually put, you know, if somehow he said, oh, yeah, you lady in a wheelchair, I'm going to throw you aside. Yeah, that's, you know, that's criminal. All right. But yeah, I mean, could you even comprehend him doing that? Yeah, it just seems weird. So, yeah, I, I think 
the last piece of this that's scary is how much local law enforcement, how much power they have. There's a famous story. Sinatra, <laughs> Sinatra was, he got in trouble in Nevada, right? I can't remember. I think he had, uh, he had a casino, but somehow there were mobsters there. So he was getting heat because he, you know, the, the state wasn't happy. So, but he was a big JFK supporter. JFK got elected in 60 and he was out in Nevada, like, a, you know, not that long after. And he was dry. It's a thing, you know, it's been depicted in multiple books. He was driving with the governor of Nevada at the time in the backseat, you know, the car and uh, prayed or whatever. And he turns and he says, hey, is there any chance you can let, you know, Frank off the hook or, you know, can you take it easy on Frank? Governor, obviously like JFK, they were same party. He goes, no, no, nothing we can do. So like the president can't step in. Right. And to some degree that's depicted on casino, right? You've got in the movie. The are the fiefdoms, fiefdoms where it's like, oh, this guy's the county commissioner, and he's in in this little world, he's got the power. Well, we've all seen the movies, you know, First Blood, Rambo's for the first movie. You show up in a town, that sheriff has a ton of power. So, to me, as much as I enjoy the idea of like driving across country and really taking my time and. <laughs> What? Are you afraid when you drive across country? Like, hey, with this little town, this I would. Could be it, this could I, be I, I'll it. be honest. I would be because, you know, remember the movie Training Day, right? You saw Training Day, right? Of course. And remember Denzel said he got in trouble in Vegas, right, with the Russians. He goes, listen, it wasn't my town. I, I didn't know. You know, I didn't know. Like in Vegas, pretty much, and knock on wood, anything that happens to me, I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to have someone that has power on my side. Oscar Goodman. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, you know. Oscar. <laughs> but you know, when you're in town for 20 years, right? Luckily, you know, I've, you know, I've developed some relationships, but you're in some Hoboken town that hates, uh, hates gambling. Let's say, Oh, you're that gambling guy. Who knows? Right. Obviously minorities have it so much. Time. I'm saying no matter who you are, if you don't have juice in a town, I mean, I, that makes me uncomfortable. I think it's getting better. I didn't. I didn't want to come off as like uh, all anti law enforcement. I think what's getting better. I think policing within police departments. But in the it's last not, like two years, probably because of the uh, proliferation of cameras everywhere. But I, I think with with um, excessive violence, excessive force, you're probably right. Uh, and obviously, it can get better and still be far from what it should be. Yeah. Right. So. But when it comes to like the discretion of law enforcement, yeah. you know, that's the old uh, uh, Anne or Ayn Rand, who wrote Atlas Shrugged, also wrote a book called The Fountainhead and um, pretty famous book. And in the book, one of the guys said what a totalitarian or a, you know, intrusive government wants to do is make everything illegal. Not everything, but where every person is breaking the law. Like, there's a lot of states that still have sodomy law. Like, you know, if you're having anal sex, you're breaking the law, right? So, obviously, that's getting less and less. But put enough laws on the books where everyone's breaking the law, and then they get to decide who they enforce it with. And now all the powers yep. in the hands of the authority. And to me, you if you walk in a town, you don't have any juice, and... The the sheriff of that town or whoever the number one law enforcement guy is wants you to have a really bad week. 
and maybe longer. You don't think it's going to happen? No, it could. No, it could. Go back and watch the uh, the old movie In the Heat of the Night with Sidney Poitier. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he if if he wasn't a cop because he quickly made it clear he's, he was a uh, you know he's in the South, but he's a cop from Philadelphia, and then he finally gets some some respect. But if he weren't a police officer, he was in trouble. Oh, and you even look at, and again, we're going by that, movies that's 50 here. Years ago, that's still my point. I hope it's gotten better. I think it's gotten better, but it's still within law enforcement, within the departments. It's hard to step out of line and and buck what's going on. Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell. Steve Cofield, who also is the co- I'll call him the lead host. I'm the co-host on Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas, Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight. That's on Fox National Radio. Any day now, Colin will be pimping my Twitter handle. <laughs> Lead host, come on, Colin. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see I, think your be- I think your best bet is to get Fezzik to do his Macho Man imitation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I-, I think that's about as good as you're going to do. Mr. Coward's very busy. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so Fox National and Sirius 83, that's Friday, Saturday night. And that's, yeah, it's a sports show, but with our heavy emphasis on the gambling side. Next topic, ooh, Dak Prescott being discussed by Stephen Jones. And I won't even talk about yet what he says because it's, to me, so surprising. He's the key. You know, at the end of the day, he's a big part of it. And uh, it all starts with him. He's the trigger guy. And, uh, you know, I think we can do some things to help him more. Uh, You know, I think Dak's a guy that's a little different than Tony, probably more like Troy in terms of the passing game. Uh, You know, he he wants, uh, you know, precise routes. He wants to throw the ball, uh, you know, on time to areas. All right. So not great quality there, but to me, the story here is even the comparison, right? It's like, you know, RJ on the radio, I'm not quite sure if he's like Colin Cowherd or if he's like Dan Patrick. It's like, I win either way, right? He's the two best guys. So this might be some kind of advanced persuasion tactic. Like, Hey, let's associate Dak with you know, two all well, one all time great and one, you know, high caliber quarterback. What's your take? Did you think he was saying that? Well, because he mentioned he's more like Aikman in your mind. Did, did that sound like he believes Aikman is a better quarterback than sort of the wild card Tony Romo style? That this is a more disciplined quarterback and Dak Prescott, like a Hall of Famer? Oh, that's in. So, yeah, you know, he's I, comparing him to the better, better of the two quarterbacks. True, but I think even if if right now if Dak was told by um, the ultimate authority above, hey, you can have Romo's career right now, I think he takes it right. Sure. So if worst case is your Romo and best case your Aikman, it's pretty good. Yeah, because I think there are a lot of people who think Dak Prescott is way below even a Romo. I mean that he's kind of a caretaker quarterback, and once he lost his weapon in Zeke Elliott, which is you know, the the bell cow of the system that he was just so-so. And to me, it, us debating how good Dak is today, I don't think there's any debate that he's not close to Romo today. He's not close to Aikman. What I find fascinating about this, and I thought it fit very well with the first story, is modern communication techniques. Is literally the way communication changed, let's say, 
from 1960 to 2010, all right, so 50 years. I think communication has changed more in the last eight years than it had in the prior 50, starting in 2010. And here's why. And and we saw it with Trump. It's the ability to, one, get cut through the clutter. Everyone has a microphone, so a, a megaphone. So can you cut through the clutter? By comparing him, we wouldn't be talking about this if it wasn't for comparing him to a three-time Super Bowl champion Hall of Famer Aikman, right? So on one hand, we can talk about, oh, nepotism and Jones, did he earn it, the son or whatever. But one, the way he presented this cut through the noise. Two, we all realize, or or people who have studied communication in the modern era or persuasion knows if you say something like, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty, I'm not guilty, in the end, most people just hear the word guilty. And you're, you know, they know with their brain there's a not before it, but they keep hearing your name and guilty, right? So something, and, and there's in both the left and the right, and Scott Adams, the guy who did uh, Dilbert, still does, I think, he throughout the whole campaign would break down exactly what Trump was doing with persuasion. And now there's people on the left who are doing the same thing is, Hey, we can't do this. And when Trump does this, we can't do this because he wants us to. So this is a whole new battlefield. Then you add in information warfare with, with the Russians and all the different things going on. It really felt like this was an example of a super savvy way to have Dak Prescott's name cut through the clutter and be compared to a hall of famer. And at least when it comes to communications, you got to give it an A plus. Yeah, I guess if I believe that was the message behind the whole thing, well, what else that he did it intentionally, be? that he intentionally compared him to two of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the organization. Yeah, I mean, it's so, smart. You're right. If if that was the intent, it is smart. I mean, I think the assertion is kind of ridiculous. I think he's got to play more before I'm going to compare him even to Romo if I have Romo behind Trey Aikman. But in a weird way. The assertions, this is a kind of back to communications, modern communications 101. Trump by, and again, this is an objective fact. Trump has, says uh, unfactual, non-factual things often. Like you look and, and, and but, but let's use an example is let's say that he says, this is the greatest tax cut uh, or, you know, the biggest tax cut in the history of the United States. Now, let's, and I don't know how it all stacks up, but let's say it's the third biggest. So he says it, it's the first. Most people are never going to think of anything else but that. They're it's not like, going to go look it up. They're not looking And I think up. if they look it up or someone tells them that it's the third biggest, they're like, so what? It's big. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's, it's big. a big chunk of people, I think far more than half, are never going to even. Uh, go beyond what they just heard. All right. Number two, the people who do, the ones that hate them are going to just say, hey, more of the same. So really didn't, wasn't any marginal difference for them. But the people that are persuadable, you know, the middle, let's call it, they're going to say, wow, you know, I don't know, you know, why he said first, but third is huge, right? And it's being discussed because if he says it's the third to start with, it gets less discussion. So him exaggerating or hyperbole, whatever you want to call it, 
doesn't really have a consequence because he does it so much. Everyone's just baked it in. And if you're really partisan, I mean, do you know how many Republicans? Because, listen, it's hard to say that. And again, I'm older now. You know, I'm old enough to remember the 80s. I was a teen in the 80s. Anyone that said that Dan Rather or Peter Jennings or Brokaw, who back then the three news guys were huge. If there were, if you wouldn't say there's a left tilt to the the news stories, it's like it was you know proven by many many studies, right? Now, if people who are left leaning are inclined to go in a certain industry, what are you going to do? Right? Have quotas? Got to have so many Republicans? So I'm not judging it as much as if you're pre Fox News, if you're a Republican, you felt like there really wasn't anyone telling your story, right? So what I've heard from a lot of Trump loyalists is, yeah, he's doing it, but he's just giving the Democrats back their, their own medicine. And once it gets to the point that your side can do wrong because the, you feel so aggrieved of the other side doing wrong, like Neil Young, I, I, I enjoy Neil Young, right? Neil Young saying this presidency has got to end and it doesn't matter how it happens. Now, not too far of a jump to say he's pretty much saying, hey, if someone shoots the president, it's probably worth it, right? And if you said how agree now, is Neil Young a psychopath? No, but probably not. In his mind, he's thinking this is so bad that I don't, whatever has to have, you know, the old kill Hitler as a baby, you know, if you went back in time. So I think both sides politically are so aggrieved now that no matter what their side does, they think it's warranted, which is, I don't know where you go from there. Right. And most people don't, but getting back to the communication side is Aikman being so clearly better than Dak. It's a moot point because we're spending more time even talking about it to, to make, to debate that. Funny thing is, I think there are people who would argue if you actually want to get into the argument about the quarterbacks, who would argue that Aikman was, mostly a product of the environment. And maybe that's when Dak is at his best because Dak last year, when he had Zeke Elliott, he had 17 touchdowns and six interceptions without Zeke Elliott during that six game span. Really ordinary, five touchdowns and seven interceptions. And I think a lot of people would go, Hey Aikman, come on. Great tight end in Novacek, great receiver in Irvin, maybe the best running back of all time in Emmett Smith, maybe the best offensive line of all time. Yeah. So, I would but, but I do not believe yeah, no, Dak I, Prescott deserves to be compared to Trey Aikman. I think Dak Prescott has a lot to work through here these next couple of years to be you know a legit top 10 quarterback. And what I would say is this. I would likely agree with you that Aikman's level that he reached, as in perceived to be what, 7th, 8th, ninth best quarterback of all time? He might be 19th or 29th, and he, he, he got elevated – by all those factors, but still being the 29th best quarterback is mighty, mighty good. So Dak might be being right. elevated too, <laughs> but now he might be being elevated from maybe his, his intrinsic ranking would be 20th. And now he's been elevated to maybe 12th, right? But it's a whole different relative elevation. Boy, we could have an argument over Tyrod Taylor and Dak Prescott. We'll have to hold that one for the season. That um, one's brewing. Whoa. Is the, what could the argument be other than <laughs> should Tyrod Taylor be ca- carrying Dak Prescott's bag? Not, not doing it. Not doing it on <laughs> the show. I'm trying to bait but you. As the football season gets closer, I kind of tried to bait you. But as the football season gets closer, <laughs> well, you won, we'll, then. we'll open up that can of worms.
Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bow. Steve Cofield, the hot take, hot shot, the take of the week. And this is from Jim Mora Jr. And he was talking about who would he take when he was asked, Darnold or Rosen? You might remember he coached Rosen in college. Because of fit. Yeah. I would take Sam Darnold if I were the Cleveland Browns. You know, I think that uh, that blue-collar, gritty uh, attitude, I think his teammates will love him. I think the city will love him. He'll say the right things. He'll come in and he'll represent well. I think he kind of represents what Cleveland is. And then if I was one of the New York teams, I'd, I'd take Josh like that. I think they're both going to be great pros. Thoughts, Cofield? I, I've really enjoyed these conversations about fit and personality and who matches different markets. I think Rosen also matches Cleveland. Did you get what he was saying there? I think as he, if the New York fan base across the board is not gritty and hardworking and blue collar. I, here's the thing: I think he said it in reverse order because he didn't want to be uh, incendiary. Is <laughs> he didn't want a hot take? Is I think what he's saying is Rosen would have trouble in Cleveland more than. Darnold's a perfect fit for Cleveland. I just wish he explained why Rosen would have trouble in Cleveland. Well, it's without because going- he was socially, you know, his his seemingly social awareness, right? Right here on Don't Bet On It, one of the first weeks, yeah. we were talking about um, Mike Lombardi saying, oh, by the way, Sunday night, Easter dinner with Mike Lombardi. Really? Yeah, I'm excited. The wives, it's, it's going to be fun. The wives, too? Yeah, yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. So someone better be on their best behavior. Me, you mean? <laughs> that's you're always the, you're that, the least impressive of the four people at the table. Might be, might be, or the most volatile. <laughs> that sink, might be too. Could sink the whole ship. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. You know, because to me, it, I'm just such a Belichick fan, right? Is anyone Belichick respects that much? And again, I don't know enough. It's one of those things when I hear him talk, he makes more sense about the NFL than anyone else to me. But I'm not an expert enough at that player level, at that on the field level to know. But the fact he was Belichick's counselieri for um, all, the, you know, for multiple years, pretty exciting. So is the word cosmopolitan? Is that what we're talking about here? No, Cleveland. Because cosmopolitan is like, are, are you? Could you buy a nine dollar drink and be okay? Like, not be shocked by it, right? I, this is literally about how progressive. I think that's the term. I mean, so this is a middle America thing versus big city. Yeah. I, and here's the thing. And Josh about, Rosen is more big city. Oh, yeah. He, he, he is big city. All right. And for a quarterback, who's, who's a more progressive quarterback? You know, I guess you could say, you know, is Cam Newton maybe in a way coming out of college. There haven't been many recently. So who, who were saying the kind of things that Rosen was where Rosen basically said, I went to a real school. I'm not a moron who went to Clemson or Alabama. <laughs> he also, he also came out and said, you can't play football and get a real education. Like, and you can't be great at both. It's really hard. Kids don't say that. They just, they play in the system and they shut up. But in a weird way, him saying that is him making the case that him having any interest, because it's one thing to say, there's two obligatory things. One is to get an education. If I'm in college, and number two is to play football if I'm getting a scholarship. He's saying, you're asking me to, to, do, to do two obligatory things, obligations, and I can't do both in an excellent fashion. I think he's right. All right. But now you're in the NFL and you have these other interests. If they're political, if they're social, if they're 
hey, you want to go to the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa? You must have had the highway blues. You can tell by the way she smiles. No, it, <laughs> little Dylan is the fact of the matter is I don't think you can do both. Right. And if you can't and you're choosing in this case to do something other than football, don't you have to get demerits as a football player? You're nodding on the radio. Well, I'm still I'm still lost on the Rosen thing. So maybe you can talk me through it. I'm not sure where the best landing spot is because I also have a fear to counter Mora Jr. I also have a fear that Josh Rosen being outspoken can actually be a bad thing in New York with the New York media. I think sometimes just because a, it's going to it's going to get uh, oxygen, pure oxygen pumped into they're going to love going in there every day. Hey, we need a quote. We got to sell papers. Josh Rosen. This kid doesn't have a filter. He doesn't know what we're going to do with his quotes. Or maybe he purposely wants that attention because he feels like he's making a difference. Possibly. And when that, I say feel is. like I'm not being I'm not being uh, condescending, right? Maybe he is. I don't know. It's also it's also kind of a dig. It really is a dig on Sam Darnold, which I think you were going to bring up the Lombardi thing. I where, don't think where, it is. Where Sam, well, it, but in a way it is because Sam, what Lombard, Darnold, Sam Darnold just wants to play football, but then Lombardi told us, hey, he was doughy and he was really bad on the chalkboard, which kind of suggests like Sam Darnold is just a robot who's going to learn how to play football, hopefully well. That's what he, I would want. But he won't have a coach. outside interest. I, want, I don't want any outside interest. <laughs> I'll tell you this. When I hire people and... You know, one, if they're smokers, I, I'm very disinclined to hire them, right? One is just the mathematics of the time. The smoke breaks? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> think about it. I know. And and even if they're, like, they're you know, white knuckle in, in a meeting, it's like you're not getting 100%. It's like a heroin. Someone <laughs> had to go shoot up, right? And and number two, obviously, with, with so much being uh, science being so clear now about the health risk, right? Mad men, we can say you didn't know, right? The pregnant women are smoking in 62 is like, you've got to have be somehow self. Um, what's the right word? Self-sabotaging, right? Now I'm sure there's, sm- and listen, you could look at me and say, Hey, RJ, you've got 10 pounds at least to lose. And are you self-sabotaging? And I'd probably say you're right. You know, is, as I think about like, I've had the same, you know, like, Oh, I got to lose these 10 pounds for like, a long time. And the fact that I can't do it is something I really lament. It's like, I feel like that, that I'm, uh, you know, it's a weakness on my part. Luckily I have many strengths, but, it, <laughs> but no. So, you know, and that weights another example. I mean, you hire Steve at, at ESPN here in Vegas. If someone walks in and there are, you know, 340 pounds, are you less inclined to hire him? No. Really? Because no. you're not thinking this person is lacks discipline. I could think that, but I would I would hope that I brought them in to give them a chance, knowing more about them and their work ethic. But you listen, unless you worked with them years ago for like 10 or even three or four years, yeah. you don't know any, enough from a... Let me ask you this. You're, you're right. Fat. Most of the fatsos I've worked with, and I'll say, and they know they're fat. <laughs> I know them, and I know their work ethic, so that's why I was comfortable with them. But you're right, I guess... You could judge and go, hey, the, the person, this dude's kind of slovenly. Is he going to work? Or if they come in and they got raw, like yellow teeth. I mean, there's You're a flip side they can't even brush your teeth this at is night. All, well, the, the teeth thing is different. Yeah, I guess. Well, how is it? If you brush your teeth, I mean, you might not have straight teeth, but if you brush them every day, they're not going to be rotten. I've worked with people who have horrible hygiene, and I swear part of it was because all they did was sit on the internet and get ready for shows. 
Yeah, if you can. Yeah, you're right. If you if you are like that hypo focus, if you can direct it properly, you're right. Actually, I this this debate at the top of this draft is completely fascinating, and I'm not sure I'm going to make up my mind on which quarterback until weeks before. I need more information because you're right. There are two sides. With every one of these guys, Mayfield has different arguments, but on Rosen and Darnold, they, they're fascinating characters. Now you do realize that in Mel Kuyper's most recent mock draft, and we're taping here on Thursday at the pregame.com offices in Las Vegas, is he's got uh, Josh Allen going one. So Collins already taking his victory lap <laughs> about being right about Darnold, and you've got the number one draft, at least the most impactful draft guy saying it's, it's Allen. So, I don't believe it. Well, I, don't believe I, I can promise you. No, 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 you're hundred percent wrong. What? That there's no way he'd put it out there. Exactly. For, but he could always change it. But, but it's still going to be said. He had him like to this day. If you go back to the big board is Johnny Manziel was number one on the big board. I mean, Kuiper still, uh, Kuiper still trying to, Recover from that uh, Jimmy Clausen debacle. Ten years from now is a ten-year bet. He'll be a good quarterback. <laughs> I guarantee it. Let's give it ten years, and then people reach out to him. They're like, "All right, time to pay off the bet." Yeah, I mean, Kuiper's getting enough attention, right? Because the theory is say something controversial to get the attention. He's getting enough attention, right? I, I, he wants to be right. So, and I, I listen. Would right? you? Would you look at it? Would you uh, approach if you were a draft Nick? Would you approach it that way? Or would you approach it the way the most successful people in the media now do? Because I think many of them are like, who cares? Who cares if I'm wrong? It matters what your brand is. Okay. If your brand is you're a talk show host, a la Colin, and you're playing around with the draft, I would, I wouldn't, there'd be factors other than what I thought was a hundred percent likely to happen is if your brand is your draft, a draft Nick, as they say, then I think that's got to be your priority. Now, if you're not yet broken through, right, and you're someone that's that's writing a blog that has 700 readers, then maybe you take a chance, right? So right. it's complicated. And we're going to flip the order here. We're, let, let's go to this uh, uh, Godal, Godal, Godal. That's how you say it. Godal, <laughs> yeah. Godal, um, and Eric Reed, because I think the idea of off the field factors and how impactful they are plugs right into what we were just talking about. So let's listen to the commissioner. The 32 teams make their individual decisions on the players that they think are going to best help their franchises. Those are decisions that they have to make. They do that in the best interest of winning and putting the best franchises together. And they'll make those decisions. I'm not directly involved with those. So he was asked about Eric Reed. First off, we can debate what factors off the field should matter. But I think his answer there, and I know he's a, uh, a suit and he he certainly has that PR stuff down where he's not going to say anything that hurts him too often but i think he's absolutely right i mean one rhetorical exercise to do is think okay if i think this is wrong what does right look like so if you think well the commissioner should be more involved well how would that be like hey guys you better sign Eric Reed? Like who would he say it to? 
right? The whole league. And then what? Who's responsible if no one does it? That's a unique situation. He makes a ton of money and he's the face of the NFL, but he's not the boss. He's got 32 bosses. Yeah, or there's 32 individual bosses for their discrete, independent decisions. And I get it. It bothers me, you know, in the case of the Texans that, again, they pass on Colin Kaepernick, who seems to be a good match as a backup for the system they're going to run with Deshaun Watson to sign Brandon Whedon, who hasn't played in the NFL and is 32 years old, hasn't played in three years. But if that's what McNair feels like plays well in his market, and if Bill O'Brien wants to take a guy who I think is a lesser player than Kaepernick, that's their decision. And, and in did, the case you, Aaron, did you feel the same thing about Tim Tebow? See, I think Tebow is a different case because I don't think Tebow can play in the NFL. So you and, and he got and he got three different chances. So you're saying, well, first off, hold on a second. He played mm-hmm. in even a regular season game for one team. Right. He never got he never got on the field for the Jets. But that's getting a chance. Right. If you get to go to Patriots camp and you're signed by the Jets, they had a chance to evaluate you and didn't feel like but the, you should uh, play. But the point is, you could say the same thing. Like you don't need cap. If anything, Kaepernick hasn't gotten better than his last tape. You don't sit out a year in the NFL and get better. Right. So, so they've got what? his last year's tape. They don't. Obviously, he could be much worse than that now. Mm-hmm. But if they look at that tape and say, even at that level, he's not worth it. What's different than Tebow? Because the question with Tebow was a distraction. In this case, it's because he's so famous or so yeah, religious. I don't, I don't look at Tebow. I, people have. Cho- I think it's like revisionist history that he was pushed out of the league because. He would get news attention, and he was a guy who was open about his faith. I don't think that's what pushed him out of the league. He got a chance from the Jets and the Patriots, and I think they also, in both cases, discussed with him a position change. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to play football if he wasn't playing quarterback, and he's not good enough to play in the National Football League. That's that's utter BS, first of all. That Tebow's good enough to play in the National Football League. I don't know about today, but the year after he won a playoff game, he certainly was one of the 66 best quarterbacks on the planet. And he got a few more chances. And then and the they, said, and here's the thing. Pass. And here's the, th- see, you're hanging your whole hat on bringing someone into camp. So if somehow they brought Eric Reed into camp mm-hmm. or they brought Kaepernick into camp and they cut him, are you going to say, oh, that's it. Case closed. Must not be anything about politics. It must be, they looked at him and made a fair assessment. That's naive. I'd be comfy with that. I'd be comfy with saying it. Here, here's the thing. Think of it like an Excel spreadsheet with most. And let's say you had a number that just represented how good the player is. Now it's probably a little simplistic because you'd have to also consider how good the next player is, meaning the replacement for the, if you say no to this guy, what's the drop up? You also would want to add some complexity of how important is this position, right? Cause if you drop, a quarterback, it's much bigger than dropping 5% at safety or whatever, right? So, but let's just keep it as simple as you have a number one to a hundred. Okay. And let's just say a starting quarterback in the NFL is 85 or above and a backup quarterback in the NFL is 70 or above just to be broad strokes with most quarterbacks. And let's just use quarterbacks as an example, whatever they're, grade one to a hundred is, it's going to be how it's dictated uh, or the decision-making to keep them or not. Right. If you're, if you're backup, you got one backup, that's a 73 and one's a 71. You're going to keep the 73. Now, another complexity is salary cap, right? So it gets complex, but you can have 
an offset, either a plus number or a minus number, right? So Charlie, was it Charlie Batch, the Steelers backup? He was like a coach on the field or a coach as a backup. He probably got a plus two or plus three point upgrade. So even if a guy was even with them, they were going to, the Steelers were going to keep Batch, right? Now, there could be a negative. Uh, negative might be distraction. And we can debate if there's a distraction or not. I think that it's unequivocal. The fact that we're talking about it now means it would get discussed a ton, right? If he's in there. And NFL is obsessed with routine. They don't want distractions. So the question is, and I think it was the same question for Tebow, is Tebow, when you subtract, I don't know if it's three, four points, when you subtract it, is he still the right person? Because when Greg Hardy went with the Cowboys, I can promise you they knew he was gonna his background was gonna be a PR negative. It was gonna be uncertainty. Is this guy gonna be reliable? But his intrinsic number was so high, even with the subtraction, he was worth it in the minds of the Cowboys. Right? But if you look at Kaepernick, and let me ask you, let's just say simply that there's 64 first string and second string quarterbacks. And now with third string, now you're on the practice school. You know, there's all the complications with that, right? Is just looking at the first and second string, where do you think Kaepernick ranks one to 64 or maybe above 64? They're 100% inside the top 48 and possibly in the top 36, 38. So you think he, NFL he could be one of the best backups, backups in the no league? Doubt. No doubt. I would take him... I'd put him in the, I'm a Jets fan, so I'd put him in the Jets mix, and I actually like the Jets mix. I don't know who they're going to draft, if they draft a quarterback, but I would take him in a three-horse race with McCown, with Bridgewater. Holy now, you know, you could argue the Take Jets, him to potentially the, start? Yes, the Jet, but the Jets might have. You know, Bridgewater had the, the second-best QBR last year in the whole NFL. Not Bridgewater, McCown, because Bridgewater didn't come back. So McCown did. McCown was great. He was. He's yeah. also 38 years old. But McCown. But I thought you said you would you would put Kaepernick in in the, in the shuffle in, in, with McCown and Bridgewater and Bridgewater. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you correct me for? I, I was confused when you correct. Oh, I'm you saying, said Bridgewater. Yeah. Had a QBR. Yeah. It was McCown. No, Bridgewater did. Bridgewater barely played. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I am yeah, having yeah, a mental yeah, block. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm. Ta- I'm sorry. I'm talking. Josh McCown was great last year. Yeah. He's also yeah. 38. But I was talking hurt. about the Vikings starting. He's also 38 and gets hurt all the time. You're talking about Keenum. Yeah. Um. No, to me, Josh McCown is the 26th. Teddy Bridgewater might be the 34th. And Kaepernick may be 38. They're right there with each other. So now the question is, what is the distance, if you're correct, from 38 to 64? And and with certain teams, what's the gap? That's the most important thing, right? What's the gap from the starter down to the backup? Well, no, I think the most important thing is, what's the gap from your backup to Kaepernick? Okay, well, let's bring that up. I just... The example I used is the Texans. Brandon Whedon hasn't had a job in the league since 2015. That doesn't say a lot about his abilities. Can we confidently say that he is in the upper half of backup quarterbacks inside of 48? And they're bringing back a they're bringing back a quarterback in Deshaun Watson who's coming off a torn knee. They need someone to play, not Taylor Henneke, who's behind that. I don't even know who he is. I don't know if I said the name right. There's an old saying, and we bring it up sometimes, you don't get fired for buying IBM, right? Which is an old saying. But the theory was, okay, you're going to buy mainframe back in 75. Uh-huh. You can, IBM is a lot of money, you know, 250,000. The other computer is 190 and you think it's just as good. So you're going to save 60, but then you think 
wait a minute, if this computer messes up, if I buy IBM, I just shrug and say, what are you going to do? Right? If I buy, if I do something creative, now you're at risk. I think we could really talk about, you know, the Eagles and Chip Kelly. Whereas I think if you really look at Chip Kelly's three years, you could say, considering they didn't have a really good quarterback any of those years, it was pretty good. Now, obviously it trended down where the last year was the worst year, but, and also I would make the case. And again, I don't know the whole roster, but I mean, how many of the players that won the Super Bowl came from Chip Kelly's three years? I mean, more than a few, right? So, but Chip Kelly was the crazy computer, the anti IBM that he had to win. And, you know, he had to overcome that, that, that the demerits around being so original to me, you get you bring in Kaepernick, you're the GM, and all of a sudden he starts some who knows? He starts a bigger protest. Right? Now who who's gonna get the blame in the local newspaper? I think that's a debate with Kaepernick, like you said, with the plus minus points on the distraction. And much, but, but the risk for the decision maker too. How much of a distraction is he going to be? I believe in short attention span America that Kaepernick and Camp would fade pretty quickly. Now, if he starts taking a knee again and we're doing it every week. First of all, I would support him doing that, but I could see where an organization's like, my God, we're dealing with this every week. I mean, I just look back on, I'll give you, the, I think the best example is Michael Vick. The Eagles took a chance on him. Mike, the Michael Vick dog killing prison stint eventually died down. Eventually it wasn't a distraction. It was just Michael Vick is here. He's a football player. And there's a couple of people out there holding PETA signs. Yeah. I think in that case, it was years and years later. He's and, also and he did time. And he did time. And he did time. And he did time. Yeah. So I mean, he was in jail. But think about that. We're like, he paid the price. He was remorseful. Cap hasn't been remorseful. Like for doing what? Well, being a distraction. We and probably exercising his rights. This this is a long discussion, and yeah, one we'll and, have and, many times. Yeah, and, and we probably disagree on this one though. So I'll I'll just lay the groundwork for the this conversation when we have it, which is, I think by all accounts, this was not. Super, this was not engineered, meaning Kaepernick had a thought, I want to do something, right? Okay, so we can all debate how much we want to um, affirm that, right, and be in favor of that. But I think it's very reasonable to say thumbs up, right? You want to make a stand. And then he was sitting, and then he was, you know, the, so he didn't think it all the way through, it would seem. Then he had the pig, you know, the 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 socks with the the police are pigs or whatever. So it's like, ah, oh, that's muddy in the waters, but if they would have just done this, uh, the protesters, if they would have said, we're going to stand for the national anthem because net net. And to me, here's the thing that I want to hear from anyone who wants to protest on anything. Do you think America, the United States is a good country net net? And when I say net net, I mean, you add everything up. Are you, you know, are you really put upon? Are you really, cause we get it right. There's obviously civil rights things. There's, you know, women's rights, there's all kind of stuff that legitimately we can say um, could be better and should be better. And we also could point to certain other countries in the world and say in this one area, this country's better. Or in these three areas, this, you know, other countries better. Okay. There's not a lot of crime, right? In Norway or whatever. Okay. But do you support this country? Net, net. If you do, in my opinion, not standing or or, dis, detract, or distracting from the national anthem 
seems to belie that. It seems to contradict that because the national anthem is saying is, is, is what do they say when they say rise to honor our country? Right? So you're saying, well, I don't want to honor our country. Now, if all they did was right when the song was over, when the song was over, then they had 15 seconds, 20 seconds, could have been two minutes, I guess. I mean, I guess the game's going to start. Where you, even something that seems as militant as raise a fist or something, all law 68 or something. And I'm not saying that would have been the right thing, but that's an example of something. If you do that during the anthem, it feels like you're uh, taken away from honoring the country. If you say the country net net I approve of and support, but I think there's problems and I want to show you I believe that, do something right after or before. But during anyone that says, and and I'd like to let's just take a minute on this. <laughs> anyone that said, like if I went to your wedding and do, and, and 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 during your wedding, when you're taking your vows. And and let's be honest, as much as it, your wedding's important to you, you would think honoring the United States is more sanctified than someone's wedding. If I did something to say, hey, I'm going to protest this about you, right? If I net-net liked you enough to go to your wedding, but I felt a need to protest you, if I did it after, if I went up to you after and Joe, and probably this isn't appropriate either. Hey, Steve, here's something I don't like. But if I did it during the ceremony, would you, could I say, hey, I have a right to talk? Or could I say, hey, I still support you and your wedding, but I wanted to make my statement. No, you probably make the statement before or after. You don't make it in the middle of the ceremony, right? So my question to you, Steve Cofield, is how do can you make the K? And I'm not saying they don't have a right to do it, right? They have a right when it, they're not going to be arrested for it. Now, obviously, you can... Get in the conversation of, hey, if you're at your place of employment, right, can they tell you, you know, this is not, this is prohibited? Yeah, perhaps, you know, we can debate all that. But I'm saying just on the merits, as in one of these protesters are your son, let's say, and you're, and he says, dad, what do you think? How do you make the case that protesting during the anthem isn't taking away from you clearly showing you net net support the United States? I know. There's a lot there. But just give, can give, I? Can I? Can because we can do we can do this. I'm going to agree to be disagreeable, and I'm just going to throw this out there because you. Said what does something. it mean to agree to be disagreeable? Because I'm not going to argue it for another okay. 45 minutes. Because I, we, this is a good discussion. I think where you nailed something that I will agree with on Kaepernick. Uh, I think you were hinting at this that the message could have been more clear, and it should have been hammered home because you started out saying. This wasn't thought through at the beginning. There's been a confusion on the message. And because he got really quiet during the season while he was out, then that allowed people to take the message in different directions. He should have been active every week, done as many appearances as he possibly could have, and should have got the message out and made it more clear. And you're right. The pig socks were a slight stumble. It sends a bad message. It gives ammo to the enemy. But he... they. He hasn't done a good enough job, and I don't think all the players combined have done a good enough job restating why they're protesting, what the activism is over. And they have to say it over and over and over again. So you're totally punting on defending in the the 90 seconds that are supposed to represent symbolically <laughs> supporting the country to protesting during those 90 seconds 
you're you're not going to try to I've, defend. Well, because I've never believed that standing, and I think in many cases being a faux patriot, says anything about the anthem or yourself. But I never, I, I don't think, I never remember anyone scanning around the crowd to see how respectful people were being of the national anthem before really, this I've all heard came a, down. I've heard so many stories about people wear their hats, and you hear someone go, dude, take off your effing hat. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I'm not saying that's right, right? You know, so I, I guess. Mean, I'll, I'll give you my smallest example. Uh, even when this blew up, I don't know, are there rules when you're just watching the National Anthem at a restaurant? You know, I do Monday night football parties and I laugh. I look around and no one's standing. No one's paying attention. They're chopping away on pizza, eating like if it's just playing on a TV. Should you stand up? I actually always did. I don't anymore. So you did and you quit just when Kaepernick started? Mm -hmm. Really? So that's like you making your statement. My little mini protest. Huh. And so that's Steve Cofield, guys. Steve Troublemaker. Cofield. I like you give, give my name 12 times. Get him. Not, Get him on Twitter. Not RJ Bell. Not RJ. <laughs> Here's the last thing I'll say on this, because I, I think, again, because of the political disagreements, I always say I probably am going to agree with about half of what, if you're left or right, I probably agree with about half of you. Uh, what you believe about half the time is the, on one hand, I think, Doing it during the anthem is not something I like. And I think people are listening. And if they're on the right, they're probably saying, yeah, damn right. RJ, if they're on the left, saying freedom. you know. But I think if you did it the minute or literally a second after or a second before, you could do whatever. You, you could put up a black leather fist. And I'm going to say, I don't love a black leather fist, let's say. But I think you have a right to. I think you're going to have people tell you that they did do that, that they adjusted with certain clubs. That, but it was that, still during the anthem. No, no. They did it before or they okay. would do it after. But there were that, several I cases no where they did it before. People still booed them. And and I'm not saying I'm not saying this, like, my logic is so pristine that every, hey, right. listen, there's a lot of idiots out there, right? right? And partisans that's going to boo any. But plus, when it feels like an offshoot of something that was already you hate, right. you're going to, you know. But in general... Is and I do think this is such a simple point that that all the talk and all the different angles confuse it. If something is supposed to represent honoring your country, to do something other than that is saying I don't honor my country. To me, now I know people are saying, well, they're honoring it because this country is built on free speech, and thus they're. And it's like that's why maybe before or after. And I'm not saying I'm right. But but it it does, you know. If I if I was advising someone, you know, that's probably the angle I would take with it. But I'm sure during the off season here, we'll have a chance to get into it even more. Um, you know, something that throws me though, like what what are they? Wasn't Kaepernick's original was police uh, excessive violence, right? Now is that what you think it is? Not like when the Steelers stayed in the locker room and all that. What, what were they protesting? Do you think? I think it was both. the ori- The original part of it was uh, I'll call it protesting inadequate, ill-equipped, bad law enforcement, and mm-hmm. then it it also morphed into injustice for African Americans, which certainly is something you should protest. And there are lots of cases, but that message got lost. But I, I will. I'll throw one thing at you. What I find fascinating, because but just to be we, clear, because you said something, I'm not sure you meant to say it. Yeah. You said that's something that you certainly should protest. So you think everyone in the country should protest against racial that. injustice? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone says, hey, I wish 
everyone all the best, but I've got my own problems. Are you going to, are you going to, and I've got to spend my time and energy trying to get myself out of this trailer park or whatever is you're going to judge them. No, but I think if you're, well, you said they should, I, I think if, well, ideally they should, but if you're going to go the other direction and say, there is no racial injustice, stop whining. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just something, you know, this is a whole other subject, yeah. but it'll be a good transition. I was getting my teeth, you know, when when you're on TV is this much, you have to always get those teeth cleaned sure. every six months. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the, uh, <laughs> you made a joke, and then our producer <laughs> dropped. I think you might have dropped that on yourself. Hey, that might be a radio no no. No 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 no. Or you could also fire back at me and say, "Hey, you're not laughing." <laughs> I don't always do the canned laughter effect. That's for you, Kofi. I can accept it. It's not the first time. My there's family a, there's, that. A, there's a computer algorithm that decides when something's funny enough to draw <laughs> that, right? that. Yeah. <laughs> but I was my my hygienist who is like a huge football fan, like fanatical. Like she couldn't quit talking about football, and she goes, "God, I feel so guilty." loving the NFL this much. I'm like, what? She goes, all the CTE and those poor players. So if you've got, this was like a 50 year old woman who's like a a crazy intense NFL fan that says she feels guilty. Like she's like shooting heroin or something, man, that's not good for the league. I heard Whitlock take the point that uh, he was glad Sean McDonough got fired because McDonough was not, pro league and was getting so dramatic about head injuries that it was terrible for the league. So good. I'm glad he's off Monday night football. You know, cause, I'm, cause I think fans have been affected like that, that they feel bad rooting, you know, liking the NFL or, or with the, with the protest. Like I still like the NFL, but now I feel bad cause I really don't like these protests. Let me ask you one more question. Cause I was thinking about the way I said this. I just want to make sure I'm being super clear. Um, let me ask you a question, Cofield, is if player X, or we'll say player Y, if player Y went on TV, podcast, whatever, and they said, listen, there's good things about this country. There's good people in this country. I think net net this country is bad, and I don't support it. And if I could avoid paying my taxes, not go to jail, I would. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. If I could go to another country, I would. What? How would your opinion of that player change? It probably wouldn't. Seriously, but, but actually, so, so it would, it hold would peak, on. Well, you're, not, you're certainly not going for the uh, Patriot vote. No, it would pique my interest. I'd actually like to hear more. All right, but let's now, say that, Now, here's the key, too. that The first part, is that even reported when the person says it? Because I think that's what happens, too, is that messages are sent out. I'm not and only asking the most inflammatory yeah. part is out there. and Because he did set it up, whoever this imaginary person is. Well, he, did, he, he, did, he did soften the blow by saying, hey, these are some things I like about the country. But as you keep well, saying, so did, so net, did, net, I don't like this. So did Donald Trump with the Mexicans, right? He said, you know, I'm sure some are good people, but no one reported that too much. right? So it, it cuts both ways. Yeah. yeah. Right. But my point is this is, wow, I didn't think you would say that. I'm not (laughs) like we don't add it, but is so someone could say I'm just uh, I'm it's because usually the debate is, oh, you think he's unpatriotic. You think he's un-American, but he really isn't. You're saying if he if a player or whomever was objectively un-American, objectively against the country. I mean, let's take it one step further. Player wise says, you know, something 
If I could get away with it and China came to me and wanted me to spy on this country, I would. Like, what? Well, that's, like, next, where does that's this next level. Yeah. I mean, I, if you're going to, if you're saying I'm anti American, where I'm open to people being threatened and killed, then that's, no, that's, that's not a little threatened crazy. Or killed. I'm saying maybe he, you know, he thinks country Z, probably not China, is better than us and he wants that country to succeed. So he does a little espionage to help them because they're more righteous over there. Like, at what point are you going to finally say, you know what is sad, though? The, the, the people who are so adamant, you know, love it or leave it, have, has you, who's a discerning, intelligent mind, wanting to, like, wrap your arms so much around the idea of, like, hey, protest is good, that even someone saying, net, net, I don't think this is a good country, wouldn't bother you. No, because I want to learn more. I, tell me why it's not a good I mean, country, th- why China is better, and why... Russia is better. I would lean, so let's toward, say, I would so lean let's, towards both or not. So you need to convince me why they're you better. You would lean that Russia isn't better. I'm not going to make up my mind completely <laughs> without here. I want to hear these facts, that this, these alternate facts that this guy's going to come up with. So let's assume he says stuff and, and, and there's nothing new to you. Then what? Am I afraid of him? Do I hate him? I don't, I don't know that I hate him. I, I don't, still don't know if I hate him. But do you think less of him? Like, do you, if you were wearing, you know, you're not wearing jerseys, but... If you're think, you know, or you root, you know how you got players that you hope they do well. Yeah. Would you adjust your opinion of this player? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. I just can't. I think a lot of this is wrapping yourself in the flag, and I'm not. So that's a, that, that's what's guy. so funny. You're so contrarian. Yeah. Because it seems to me that that based on all the things you really do care, like oftentimes the people that are the most critical of the United States are the ones that love what the United States is and its ideal the most. But it just feels like there's so much partisanship well, I, on that ideal. Yeah, I, I, there's partisanship on that ideal. I don't know that I believe in that either because we don't we don't stick to it, right? We certainly don't respect everyone's rights to go out and be free thinkers and push back. We, well, we respect the, it enough that they don't go to jail over it, yeah. right? Respect doesn't mean you can't say it's wrong, in your opinion, right? com Again, I'm the reasonable one, R.J. Bell, and... <laughs> God, I had the countdown clock. I mean, I think that was the first time. <laughs> no, no, that well, was the a, Jeopardy. That was the Jeopardy. Oh, okay. Like, uh, <laughs> well, such an imaginary situation. I'm R.J. Bell. Talking about the great one, R.J. Bell. And he, he, that other guy. Say, say, say something like, uh, un-American doesn't bother me. See, <laughs> so they know your voice. If you dislike That's America, him. it doesn't bother me. <laughs> now, listen, my tolerance for crazy thought you you're seeing it in display right here he's good at hot takes so he's here all right next topic (laughs) we've got the hot well let's see here let's talk a little sister gene so we've got (laughs) a great prop this is a great one so you can bet for the loyola michigan game in the final four how many times sister gene will be shown during the telecast over under is one and a half Tip to final whistle. Over so under shown one and on half the TV. Shown on TV. Over under one and a half. You threw a number out that was way above one and a half. If you were going to book it, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I would make. This is just one offshore book that I don't participate with, but um, I would make a major bet on the over because whatever chance Loyola has to win the game, if they're winning in the last minute where it's a clear win and she's got her hands on her face and people are walking over patting her, they're going to show her more two times in the last minute. So, you know, about 45, 42% of the time, you know, based on the odds, well, when they win, I think you got a sure winner there. 
And then even the other times, I think you're probably 50-50. So 40%, you're probably 90%. And the other 60%, you're 50%. It's a terrible number. It's a terrible number. You agree with me? Yes. Now, in the second, there's another back. The over-under was how many times has she mentioned? Just Sister Jean has said over-under four and a half. You know what's funny? If you would have asked me this question, head-to-head, will Sister Jean be mentioned more or shown more? I would have made shown a slight favor. Because you can imagine when there's there's a free throw being shot, they cut over, then yep. they cut back. Where does Jack actually say her name? So I would actually do like a he, almost like a hedging theory and go under on the mentions, over on the visuals, under on the mentions. And I think it's close, but boy, it certainly shouldn't be like that much more. Can you separate them on your handicap though? If you if you think you said over over under four and a half on the the visuals. Don't you assume on the visuals that they're going to mention at least 75% well, we, of the time? We just said on right the there? cutover, I mean, I think at the end, especially if they do in the first half, yes. Yeah. But at the if they're showing that celebration at the end, now if you told me the first um, 38 minutes of this game is all we're counting, which doesn't make sense, but if we just, then my numbers would go way down. To me, it's, and even if they lose, if Michigan's celebrating, you don't think they're going to cut once to Sister Jean at the end to show how she's reacting? Yeah. Can I come up with? My oh my own? god! That over, now that I thought of that, that over over on the visuals is like a, almost a lock. Can I come up with my own prop here? Yes. You know, there's been a big stink over showing crying children during the games. There's actually been a big pushback. That's a, an annual tradition: is to find some kid in the crowd weeping, oh. which I which I love. <laughs> you you love to see children I cry. Part, I think it's part of the story. <laughs> hey, I mean, it, fit, it fits in with your other comments. Of course, that, when you're a young fan, you get really disappointed about sports. Will they, this is just a yes, no, not an over-under. Will they show Sister Jean if she's crying? Loyola's losing. Sister Jean cries a little bit. Sister Jean only, she has a higher, she's, she's got a higher calling. I don't think she's crying. I think she's solid. I think she's worried about the kids being upset. (laughs) You know, guys, if you want to know. Sister Jean props. If you want to know how Cofield got the way he got, is you just need to know his partner, on on his local show on ESPN, Adam Hill. I was on last week when Cofield was on vacation with Adam. And he's hating on Sister Jean. It's been like two weeks of Sister I Jean mean, bashing. Who could hate on Sister Jean? My partner. I Adam mean, Hill. what's his rationale? He's a miserable guy. He likes for others to be miserable. <laughs> for if he just are, wants to spread misery. If others are miserable, he's happy. So, do you think being next to him makes you feel like you're not really like anti-American because he's probably more so? It's a good point. Yes, absolutely. All right, so based on my over on the sister gene, almost lock. Why does it still seem like gambling to you? <laughs> Too easy. <laughs> Too easy. <laughs> All right, we've got the Jets, the Giants, and then get off my line from Cofield. It's ludicrous. Let's talk Jets. This one's only a minute or two. Cofield, you're a fan. You grew up in Jersey. You had some observations on what you saw. Well, the Jets got some guff because they were in on and Dominican Sue through the weekend. And then all of a sudden on Saturday, we pulled the offer. We, we pulled the offer, right? Day and a half later, Sue goes to the Rams one year, $14 million deal. He's the uh, big defensive tackles with the dolphins and started off with the lions and the Jets got clowned on a bit. Now, do you think, I think most believe that the Jets at some point realized Sue was not going to, pick them so they were saving face. I like to believe that the organization actually huddled 
and thought about it, then they're like, you know what? I'm not sure that this is the right guy for Todd Bowles to be coaching. Todd Bowles already had motivational issues getting past players like Mo Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson fired up and ready to go consistently. Sue has a reputation as a guy who's uber talented, but can be a bit truculent and sometimes doesn't play to his ability. So maybe it wasn't a match organizationally. Why, why would an organization care if, what are they going to have egg on their face because they lost to the Rams in bidding for a great player? I, I never, I don't, I don't get it. I so, think that, so that, that you, to me, this is like that, the New York you, media. You think like, they pulled out to, to say, hey, we didn't really lose. We, de- we forfeited or we decided we don't want to play. Hmm. Is it phony or real? Did they come to grips with the fact that, hey, you know, maybe this guy's not a match? That's back to the New York media market, too, though, right? Is is the stand uh, you're you're so worried about, you know, Brad Powers and our and by the way, guys, we've got our final four. We went two hours. We had the full wise guy roundtable. I think the bet for in my opinion, the best gambling deep dive into the final four. Just search for RJ Bell on any pod player and it's in the same feed. And remember, you subscribe, you get everything immediately. You never miss a show. You don't have to listen to everyone. But you might as well see it there and make your choice in your feed. Yeah, I listen. I think the Jets are struggling, and I think when a team's struggling, it's like anything in poker, right? When I'm hot at poker, and I'm hot, not you know some of its cards, but I make a bluff or two, and I feel like I'm in the zone. Boy, that call, you know it's the zone, right? You miss a few. Eh, Jets are not in the zone right now. I think that's fair. Okay, we've got the hottest take of the week which is the Giants. Hottest or worst? <laughs> I'm not Well, I'm not if, sure. if the idea of a hot take yeah. is going overboard, with well, the hottest take means they went way overboard. So there were three days in a row where there seemed to be utter confusion in what was coming out of the Giants organization on Odell Beckham. Owner John Mara throwing it out there that we are tired of dealing or actually tired of defending Odell Beckham. And then word comes out from Ian Rappaport that Beckham will not set foot on the field unless there's a long-term agreement with the giants. The next day, Steve Tisch, the other owner comes out and says, no, we're not tired of the problems. It's okay. Then Dave Gettleman, the GM has to come out the next day and say, you know, I've always been told you don't give up on talent. So, where are they? Because the initial move by one of the owners, John Mara, was basically to pick a public fight with a guy who can be pretty petulant in Odell Beckham. The other owner comes in and says, no, we're not done with him. We're not fed up with him. And then the GM has to come in basically to protect trade value and says, we're not just giving up on talent. Wow, this actually wraps back around to the modern communications. So another thing that President Trump did during the election, you know, the primaries and such, is he would take both positions on on a, you know, so let's just say, uh, what's your thoughts on, on gun, you know, increased gun control? On one hand, in front of a certain audience, he would say, Second Amendment, baby. And then in front of another audience, it's like, hey, obviously there's the Second Amendment, but if we can not impinge upon rights, but uh, keep the guns out of the hands of criminals, then why wouldn't we? Now, the news programs went crazy saying, oh, he's contradictory. Oh, he's, you know, flip-flopping. But once again, the, the, the modern communication experts, many of them believe this was Trump saying, I have a cult of personality in a way. People want to, they want a guy to disrupt this thing, right? Because if anything's unpopular, it's the federal bureaucracy. 
And if they hear me say two things, they're going to say, oh, the thing he's saying I disagree with, he's saying because he's got to. The thing he's saying that I agree with, that's what he feels. The funny thing, though, is the other, the person who flips their agreement, disagreement, says the same thing. So it's amazing if you can take something that has people on both sides, you either got to hurt yourself with a big portion of people, or you can't say anything which hurts you, or you say both, and maybe both sides want to believe you. Could this be another master strategy by the Giants? Hold on. In which they're saying the people that want to get rid of Beckham's going to grab onto what so-and-so said. And the people that want us to try our hardest to sign him are going to grab onto what so-and-so said. And thus, if they want to be Giants fans, they, we're going to tell them something they can believe in. Oh, I just blew your mind no, right no, there. I think you, I know you hate when I say this. When I don't but give this credit. is you saying I'm going to say it. No, I'm going to say it. Uh, <laughs> that I don't give enough credit to people who are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions. Sometimes they get that money, and it's not really through their own work. It's from pops, yeah. right? And they're not the best in a public domain. And I think John Mara. Here's the problem: because what I'm going to say is I don't think John Mara thought this through, and it's turned into like they all sat down, the GM and the two owners, and they're like, "We're going to screw everyone mentally here." And you're going to play a bunch of different sides. I think Mara came out and then everyone else started scrambling like, no, 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 no. Like, we still like him. We don't want to reduce his trade value. He's not on the block. We're not giving up on him. And the problem with John Mara is it's been repeated behavior. I don't remember John Mara, the owner, one of the owners of the Giants, speaking so often when Tom Coughlin was there. I think Coughlin actually was a guy who held that organization but together. Maybe that's, other- maybe that's part of the reason they try to push Coughlin out, right? Is it was a power struggle to some degree, right? I don't think it was a power struggle. I think they worried about his acumen on the field, that he was starting to lose it a little bit and losing control of games. Because think about it. At the end of the year, they also made a major gaffe because John Mara reacted to something silly. There was a pushback from fans on Eli Manning being benched. Who cares? Well, it's one thing. And, to- and then Davis Webb doesn't play. And now they go into the offseason. They're like, hmm, maybe we should have played Davis Webb. Of course you should have. There was nothing to play for. I'm sorry Eli's streak ended and it was a little bit emotional. Don't worry about what, if you let the fans dictate what you do as an organization, that is a weakened organization. No, I agree. I I think we've talked about this at length. To do something truly revolutionary, to do something unconventional, you've got to have the vision to see it's correct. But in addition, you've got to have the, if you've got bosses above you, you've got to have the support of the bosses long-term trust the process, right? Hanky gone. And also, if you're the boss, but you have to answer to the customer, you've got to have the guts. Look at Facebook, obviously in a lot of trouble, but every move they ever made for all those years, people hated it right after they made the move. You know, redesign, news feed this, you know, I'm talking over the last 10 years, but their willingness to say, we've got a vision and you can complain all you want. It's not going to change was a big driver in their success. I'm trying to think of the owner. Because there's an overarching view of this. Who's the owner in the NFL who often speaks about personnel matters and the organization is a good organization? Oh, does, does I was going to say Jerry Jones. They're not good, right? Yeah. They're not consistent. They're a 500 organization. Kraft doesn't do it. No. Really, he's, he's hands-off until recently. He may have yeah, been very yeah. hands-on behind the scenes. Who else is it? Steelers do it? No, it's you true. You the Roonies? You're right. You're right. There, I mean, there, is there someone? Uh, the Hunts, they stay behind the scenes with the Chiefs. Um, you never hear Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, that's a good organization. I don't hear Jeffrey Lurie discussing, hey, what we're going to do at the tight end or you know, Nick Foles trade rumors. Maybe I missed it. 
I don't know why Mara all of a sudden is speaking so much. But you're acting like the highest ideal is winning, which it should be. But maybe the highest ideal <laughs> is is this is a toy for these guys. And they want to get laid, or I don't know if they're single or whatever, or and thus they want to be famous. Well, I thought you were going to come at me with, hey, it's all about business. But if you're, if you're struggling, if you've got to play a PR game to make money in New York with the history the Giants have and the loyalty of those fans, I don't think you have to play that game. My, the last thing I'll say about this is I don't, I don't think it was intended, but could the end result be that the loyalists for OBJ are going to latch on to that? And the anti-Beckham are going to latch on to the other one. And maybe the effect is going to be you're placating everybody. By the way, I would trade Odell Beckham in a heartbeat. I don't think it's going to work in New York. So after all of that, I don't think it's going to work anyway. But Gettleman, I think the GM came in and saved the day by trying to publicly boost up his trade value. So we'll see what they get for him if they trade him. I think he's going to be a problem there for the entire time he's there. You guys wait for it every week and there are a lot of people this is we're gonna you know how like when a player starts it'd be like that's his best performance ever and then three weeks later it's like that's his because he's trend line is way up unequivocally this is the best get off my lawn topic it's it's the most it's the perfect so far get off my lawn topic go steve go steve cofield i like that you haven't heard it yet but you're excited for it Well, I've read the topic. So I'm not a dipper. I like some condiments. I'm not like, no, 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 no. Like dipping wings and ranch. Oh, okay. Okay. I want the flavor of the food. (laughs) I'm not, I like mustard. I like some A1, but I'm not crazy with the condiments. Right. (laughs) And I like Jeannie Bouchard. She seems like a fun lady. She's a pro tennis player. So the other day, I don't know if this is some grand Kiko man. How old is this tennis player? About 26. She's a lady? I'm being respectful. (laughs) I don't want to sexualize her yet. Uh, uh, At 26? (laughs) uh, No, I've already done it before. I just mean in this case. So apparently she thinks the item to use as dipping sauce for pizza is soy sauce. This is a nightmare on so many levels. (laughs) And I like soy sauce. <laughs> Who would ever? Is, it, is there any way this is good, RJ? No, you're just. I'm going to let you go for a no, while. No, because I'm going. I'm going to take it to an angle here that I think you're going to like. You don't. First of all, I don't think you dip pizza in anything. Cut it out. It's got everything necessary. It's got the cheese. It's it got was the sauce, built it's to got, be self-contained. Exactly. It's got everything there. It was. And, a, and, it was and, invented. And we've morphed the whole thing into putting toppings on it. So, I mean, you can have six, seven elements of taste on pizza. Cut it out. You don't need to dip in ranch. And soy sauce is stupid. Don't dip in soy sauce. So I'm going to try to blow your mind here. Ready? I had a New Jersey snob, right, who grew up pretty close to where I did, who said there shouldn't be anything on pizza, not even toppings. He's an anti-toppings guy. If the pizza's good enough, (laughs) then it doesn't need toppings. No pepperoni, no sausage, no anchovies, nothing. Is that too hardcore with the? I'm a toppings guy, All right? Let's I start too. there because I like the and thin that's why crust. I felt kind of hurt. I was like, man, maybe I'm less than a person for enjoying toppings. Maybe this is a real pizza connoisseur. You're, I mean, the case could be made that you're not a purist. Well, I mean, the other thing that insulted me, he threw out. He's like, real New Jersey and New York people don't need toppings, and I was like, you grew up 20 miles north of me. What do you mean, real New Jersey people? No sex, no booze, no drugs. 
Our little roller is a purist. He's a goddamn thoroughbred. All he cares about is the next hand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> ah, that's good. I still remember. So I spent a lot of time in Jersey. We went up in uh, 92, the summer I graduated, me and my best buddy. And we're both big Springsteen fans. And we saw the first six shows Springsteen played in 92 at Brendan And his, he's Greek, my buddy, and his uh, uncles owned two diners and one in Elizabeth. So we were staying at their house for free, right? His cousin had a car, so we were using their car for free once we got up there. And we would eat at the diner three freaking meals a day for free, ordering cheese sticks, you know, appetizers, the whole thing, right? It was like the there wasn't a menu right? or there weren't prices on the menu. And one of the things we were doing up there, there was a football camp. His brothers all coach football and there was a football camp. I was just going to hang out while he was helping. And there was this guy, like a 300 pound dude. And we were going to go to a place called the Manor House. I don't know. You remember the Manor House in Jersey? And it was like this oven brick pizza. And (laughs) we go, hey, and this dude was a pizza connoisseur. And we said, hey, we're going to go to the Manor House. He goes, don't believe the hype. (laughs) I'll never forget it. He was so mad because this brick oven had, you know, caught fire. So everyone's talking about the Manor House. If anyone knows the Manor House, please, at RJ in Vegas, I really want to hear about it. I'm not even sure it's still there. But he was like, he was indignant that that this brick oven, you know, fad was getting all this attention. I'm actually with him. And I know I, I like the Neapolitan style, and we, and we have some of them in Vegas, and it is good pizza, but it's gotten a little out of control. It's kind of a, a foo-foo pizza. I want the old oven, the one that goes up to whatever, 8,000 degrees. And I know I know the brick ovens get super hot, but I just like, you know, just the, the door, throw the pizza in, let's go. Here's what I'll say. I, I'm an eater, right? It's probably my, my, or certainly my worst vice. All right. So that and underdogs on Monday night. No, (laughs) (laughs) my two favorite things. (laughs) Well, there's a great line in cheers where he walks in and goes, so-and-so a a guy's there to announce he's a lawyer goes, so-and-so has died. And Carla or whatever was inheritor. He goes, he was a millionaire, but on, but he lost it all on, Fast women and slow horses. <laughs> Little cheers. But to me, I think as time goes on, like, like think about what's your position on the, the cheese stuffed pizza? The pe- like to me, I think if you got something like pizza that has meat in theory, meat on it, cheese, sauce, bread. You're talking cheese stuffed crust? Yeah. I'll yeah. eat it, but it's junk. Yeah. So crust is I, part of the pizza. What I'm saying is like pizza itself should be like a really rich, like, hey, this is a great meal. Like in the scheme of a week, you shouldn't have, you know, maybe, I don't know, X number of those meals and X number of, hey, have a salad, you know, with a chicken sandwich or whatever. Who knows? Okay. Is I think it's just like, you got to get worse. So I've been, you know, in college, I was around a lot of drug users Initially, it'd be like, hey, man, let's, you know, smoke a little weed. It's like, okay, well, you started drinking when you're 16. Now you're smoking the weed. It's like, okay, hey, we got cocaine. It's like, okay. But it's like they do the cocaine. But then it's like, hey, let's do whiskey and cocaine. It's like, you know, it seems like whiskey by itself should be enough. <laughs> and maybe cocaine should be enough. But now, you know, and then the famous thing is like what, what you know, which I was never around even, but is, uh, uh, the guy from uh, Belushi was into speedballs, right? So you do a shot 
which was just the right amount of heroin with just the right amount of cocaine. So you were up and down, like you weren't jittery, but so it was just like this perfect flow in theory. It's like, so to me, I think the analogy is <laughs> dipping your pizza is like a speedball. The, the cocaine should be enough. The heroin should be enough. You don't need both. The pizza should be enough. Damn it. I should have used that cocaine comparison <laughs> when I did the rant the first time around on terrestrial. That's why I'm here. That was good. That's Steve Cofield. How do you spell your Twitter? Now, listen, this guy, I'll tell you, I know Steve. I wouldn't hang out with an un-American guy. He, <laughs> he's, no, I wouldn't actually. He is strong on people's rights and all that, which is to me very American. So I would say if you were a little shaky on Steve, and I think I'd be a minority Check him out on Twitter. You're going to find out that uh, this is a guy that's a, let's just say he's not afraid to go against the the grain, which I find to be a great thing. More so, more so as I get older. At Steve Cofield, like it sounds, C-O-F-I-E-L-D, Cofield. All right, guys, we'll be back next week with Don't Bet On It. And obviously next Wednesday we'll be continuing, and this is important to remember, Our dream preview continues. It's going to be baseball, NBA, and Brad Powers is going to be previewing a college football conference every week, starting next week, all the way up to college football. And he's going to be given future bets and over-under win totals and all kind of actionable information now. So not only can you get ready for the season, you can get some good bets. And now you can follow me on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Talk to you there.